You are listening to the Lit and Lucid Podcast, brought to you by Yoohoo Brand. Here's your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid Podcast. We are here recording live episode 40 and the start of season 4 with my co-host Jared Mason. What's up Jared? What is up, listeners, and what is up, Lucy? Episode 40, season 4. Didn't even know we'd ever make it here, but we're here. Right. Like, almost a year ago today, we started the podcast just at a local little coffee shop in Pueblo, Colorado. Jared had the idea of, hey, let's just start a podcast. And at the time, I had been blogging through Green Love Denver, and I was like, hey, what the heck? I mean, it just seemed like another good outlet to put out information, so we went for it, and look where we are now. We made it, yeah. Mainly, on my end, it was more Gary V just sitting there saying, you should start a podcast, you should start a podcast, and I was like, well, I guess we should probably start a podcast, because Gary V's telling us, so why not? And turns out, Gary V was right. It definitely, uh, I mean, if anything, it brings you a ton of connections, brings you a ton of exposure, and... I mean, those are kind of just the few simple things that has brought us. It's, it's been wonderful for us so far. Yeah, and we couldn't be here today without all of our wonderful listeners and our guests, everybody you know, coming on the show and being willing to offer knowledge to everybody listening. And for all of our listeners who continue to listen in each week, we appreciate all of you, and we wouldn't be here without you guys. Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I really appreciate all of the guests that have been on as well and being able to, uh, to openly share their knowledge. I know it's a very competitive industry, and... A lot of stuff still new you know a lot of people are talking about the mistakes they've made along the way and how they've got to where they're at and that takes a lot of a lot of guts a lot of courage and I had a lot of trial and error and kind of putting themselves out there so so kudos to our trailblazers and innovators and and passion pioneers and all the folks who've been with us so far I mean we truly wouldn't be anything without them and the, and the knowledge they've shared and and the passion they've shared and, and their stories and all that so uh, all you, you know, past guests, if you're, if you're listening now, you know, really do uh, send a heartfelt appreciation to you guys for, for joining us and helping to create Lucid with us and, and building into the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the mainstay of cannabis education that it is now. You know, I think it's really grown into be a reputable source for cannabis information. It's taught Lucy and I a lot. And, you know, I think it's really kind of put Lucy and I out there and to be open to, to questions from others as well to to help spread the correct information and the right, you know, stuff that's out there and, and really could try to help to uh, foster and, and kind of nourish this industry from <clears throat> a foundational standpoint. It's been great. Yeah, for sure. So what we thought we'd do today on episode 40 is kind of do a recap of past episodes from season three and then a look to the future of season five and then maybe go over a couple of timely things going on here in the cannabis industry. Uh, So with that, I think we'll just kind of dive right in. Really looking back on season three, we had a wide variety of subjects. Um, I know when we started, we had the intention of really focusing on regulation and education, and I think we did that. Um, We had Ben Gelt on from the Cannabis Certification Council. He was promoting the concept, hashtag what's in my weed. And that's really something that has stuck with us since that episode and, you know, even before without really realizing it. 
And he brought up the importance that consumers need to understand what they're consuming, what is literally in your cannabis. Is there pesticides? Was it grown organically? Was it grown environmentally friendly? Uh, was it sustainable? Those are all questions that we need to be asking our growers and our uh, dispensaries. So I think that that was really important for our listeners to learn this season. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I think some states do a great job of really kind of showcasing the, the good growers that are out there and, and really putting a focus on the cultivation side of it. Um, but I, I think other states, such as the one Lucy and I live in, Colorado, really, really lack in the area of uh, consumers knowing what's in their cannabis, where their cultivation's at, what are their cultivation using, you know, is the cannabis, uh, is it safe to consume, you know, is my test actually what it says it's going to test at, or is it somebody fudging the test results? These are all like very valid and legitimate questions to be asking. I mean, we have we have test facilities that are now getting in trouble because of their falsifying documents. Um, there's test facilities here in Colorado that I know that are under investigation for doing the same. One in California that was caught. Um, so it's a very real thing. And at the same point, there's a lot of this cannabis product that's being spread around to where the the sheer fact of trying to figure out who actually cultivated that cannabis for you is almost like a you know it's like a Sherlock and Holmes like mystery you know thriller you have to go onto this website online in Colorado and search up a license number that's extremely hard to even find in the first place just to find out where the cultivation's at and then even then it's a whole other step to try to contact that cultivation and get information regarding what's in their weed um, there is some really good players with that said you know there's legal out there in Colorado that does a great job on uh, other states we have uh, Yerba Buena and uh, you know a whole host of other farms that do great with sharing what's in their product and really kind of pushing the movement but in the big picture it still needs to be done in a broader sense and to a lot of the mainstream products um, I think consumers you know deserve to know what's in their products they deserve to know how it was cultivated uh, much as Lucy touched on with the hashtag what's in my weed campaign uh, you know I would go to a supermarket and I could find out you know the farm and how you know all my produce and veggies and all that good stuff is cultivated but what about my cannabis you know I go to a lot of these dispensaries and I'll always ask people at dispensaries well who grew this and they're like you know I don't know their answer is always we we shop around we get them from a bunch of different vendors bunch of different uh, cultivations and farms and you know I'm not really sure and that's not really the answer that I'm okay with at the end of the day and I don't think that uh, I don't think you should be okay with it either yeah for sure, and that is what is going on in Colorado, but it was also kind of insightful for us to listen to one of our future guests, Katie um, from Peak Extracts out of Washington, and she was telling us it was almost the exact opposite. I mean, I noticed on her packaging, you know, that Yerba Bueno was noted as their cultivator, and it was right there on the very front, like the first thing almost, and you don't see that in Colorado. You don't pick up a Wana brand gummy and know who grew their cannabis. So that's definitely kind of, you know, a hole that I see here in Colorado and hopefully, you know, with us and everybody, you know, bringing forth the information about what's in my weed, encouraging others to, you know, use the hashtag to start asking those questions. This is going to be, you know, the standard in five, 10 years. So we'll see where it goes, um, but I'm super excited to be a part of it and to, you know, bring that that uh, movement forward. Absolutely. And, and kind of the next step of that is <clears throat> beyond understanding, you know, what's in your product. Another thing that we learned about in season three was, you know, what's the best way to consume? What's the best way to be a conscious consumer of that product? Uh, episode 31, we luckily had Charles McElroy with Goldleaf on. Goldleaf does the uh, consumption journal where it allows you to, to use a product, any type of product, document your consumption, document the strain, document all the different pertinent information about that product, and then track your 
your experience over time where you can reflect back and have a documented, you know, experience journal of your whole experience with that strain or that particular product. What that does is allows you to go back over time and realize maybe, you know, maybe the lemon skunk wasn't the best strain for you or maybe you're more of like a granddaddy perp type of strain. Maybe you're more on the, you know, the, the sativa leaning, you know, hybrid side or something. Maybe your body does better with edibles than, you know, a joint, things like that. But I think all of it encompasses the fact of, you know, caring about how you're consuming and what you're getting out of your consumption, not just, you know, shooting from the hip. Right. And I think that also with that, as you know, more states become legal and more people have access to cannabis, they're going to be able to start to, you know, look into these things and explore a little bit more. Right now, they're probably with their restrictions of you're really just getting whatever, you know, your dealer has that day. You're not able to make those decisions on your own, what works for you and what works for your body. So I think as we move forward with hopefully federal legalization, you know, that more people are going to be asking these questions for themselves. And in return, they're going to be seeing so many greater benefits from this cannabis plant than, you know, just quote unquote getting high. There's so many medicinal benefits for them and people are going to really be able to have access to this product and be able to use it, you know, for things like Crohn's disease or chronic pain or headaches or migraines, any of those very, so many different kinds of ailments that you can, you know, help with cannabis. And I think that that's going to be huge in the future. Absolutely. And I think what we've already touched on are, are two very good points to to, you know, push legalization going forward in the future. One of those is regulated testing. Even though, we you know, we're still having hiccups with the regulated testing and, and the sharing of information, it's just the fact of that it's legal in these states and we can have a conversation surrounding it to move it forward is, you know, in itself a fact to just to legalize it so you can have that conversation. The other flip side that Lucy just brought up is, uh, you know, in unlegalized states and illegal states you only can consume a couple different products or maybe you happen to produce those products yourself or there's not testing or you know any type of regulation or requirements or any kind of standardization method so your consumption is going to be kind of left up to you to kind of figure out whereas in a legal state you can find different products you can try different strains you can try different strain types uh, you could try different doses that are all hopefully you know measured correctly and and the potency is uh, tested correctly. Uh, but all these things are things that you're not afforded in, legal, in an illegal state. So hopefully those are things that get pushed through legalization and are kind of talking points when legalization is um, brought up in, in a state that hasn't got there yet. For sure. And I think really tied in with that is, you know, our episode with Antonio and Heather DeRose and how they, you know, are leading a healthy lifestyle through cannabis, whether it's CBD or hemp, hemp based, you know, diets. I mean, we don't have to be talking about THC every time we have the word cannabis come up. That's not, you know, that's an all encompassing term. CBD is, you know, the less intoxicating cannabinoid um, that you find in cannabis that a lot of people are using for anti-inflammation, for sleep aid for stress anxiety it has so many other you know cures um, for you know various ailments and those are the types of things that I'm seeing people starting to use now more frequently you know that's a great candidate for the elderly you know if my grandma isn't trying to you know get you know that stone feeling CBD is a much better option for her than THC is and so having that option and understanding you know that people are able to live a healthy lifestyle by these other alternatives such as CBD and hemp is amazing and I think that Antonio and Heather were a great example of you know how you can do that absolutely yeah and I and I think as it becomes broader across the nation I think you're going to see more people following their footsteps you know I, I absolutely firmly believe that 
like Antonio and, and uh, Heather both pointed out, the hemp could be a part of your daily life in so many different aspects. You can, you know, hopefully someday live in a hempcrete house and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you can have <clears throat> hemp protein and hemp bars and maybe wear some hemp clothing and consume some CBD products and things like that. Even your pets can consume CBD products now. You know, hemp is in so many different aspects of your life or it can be in so many different aspects of your life that we're just now becoming, you know, privy to these things and how they look. Um, you know, but that's also, you know, that's what's cool about all this too, is that Lucy and I are getting a firsthand look of, you know, how's this all unfolding and, and what's it looking like. And at the same time, getting a look to see how it's all changing very rapidly as well. And, and there's things being brought up such as, you know, in episode 38 with, with, uh, Peter Calfee, that there's, you know, still problems with the ways we're inhaling cannabis and, uh, you know, vaporizing is the way to go these days, but even vaporizing itself hasn't been perfected and there's still a long ways to go with that. Absolutely. And, you know, it's also really interesting to see, you know, different like athletes and, you know, like celebrities and things like that starting to get involved with the movement because they're not afraid to showcase, you know, I, this product works for me. I'm using CBD or hemp based products and they help me and I'm not, you know, turning to prescription pills and they're proud of that. And I think that it just takes people like them, you know, more high profile people to also start coming out and, you know, showcasing their usage for sure. Absolutely. And I, and I think we're going to all find out over time that there's a lot of people consuming cannabis that have had to keep it under the radar for obvious reasons because they'd be stigmatized. And mm -hmm. I think over time, you're, you know, a lot of people, if they're still, you know, prohibitionist and against cannabis, you're probably going to be blatantly shocked by the amount of people who have consumed cannabis or who would like to consume cannabis. I think it's going to shock you. Uh, even in my state, even in my family, I could say, you know, I still have family members that still shock people. They'll reach out to me or they'll say something at a family dinner about how, you know, well, how can I get this? And I'm totally taken back because, you know, I never would expect it. But at the same time, these people, they deserve to have access to something, you know, if, if it, they need it and it could bring, you know, a better way of life to them. Who should we be to tell them they can't use it, especially if it's, you know, a plant that's never caused anybody any harm and, and uh, brings some economic impact with it as well. Right. And a plant that's, that's been used for thousands of for years. Thousands of years. I love, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but Katie with Peak Extracts was huge and she was really into Chinese medicine and we'll talk about that. And the Chinese have been using cannabis plants for thousands of years, like Lucy said, thousands of years to, you know, fix ailments and, and different things within uh, the medical aspect. And, you know, if, if they found usefulness of you know, for it in the science, even today, like uh, Ica, you know, points out that's also a great episode we have to look forward to. There's a ton of science that has already been done in Israel for the past 100 to 200 years or so with uh, Dr. Raphael Meshulam and, and Ethan Rousseau and a bunch of other you know, scientists have already put in the work and discover a lot of it. Uh, the fact of the matter is that prohibition wasn't built around the fact that cannabis had no use. It was built around other, you know, politically or business motivated uh, reasons. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that science reason it's not more mainstream today is because it's been uh, suppressed through prohibition. So now begins the, the journey of digging up that science, finding a way to make it digestible to the public, and also finding ways to incorporate it into uh, mainstream use. Absolutely. 
All right. So we've kind of been talking a lot about you as the cannabis consumer and your education and background on the plant and the benefits for you. But let's think about another way of cannabis in your life. Let's look at the uh, economic, you know, standpoint of cannabis. So for many, it might be employment. You might be interested in, you know, getting a job in the cannabis industry. And for those living in, you know, non-legal states, that might be a daunting idea. Like, how would I ever get a job in cannabis? And I felt the same way a couple of years ago. I always knew that I wanted to be involved with the industry, but I had no idea how. And um, so what we did is episode 33, we spoke with Sarah Howard and Sarah Bouillet. Uh, There's some specialists in um, the field. And we talked about employment and millennials specifically in employment and cannabis and what that really means in today's uh, job force. Absolutely. And I think what you're going to find out is that the cannabis industry is really not that much different from mainstream industries. So the cannabis industry still has its host of employment problems, management problems, and other things that we have to work around on top of the the growing pains and the regulation concerns. So it does make working in the cannabis industry a little bit different than what, you know, people may be accustomed to coming from, you know, unregulated market, I guess. Uh, but I do believe it's all for the better because a lot of these jobs we're already seeing are very high-paying jobs. A lot of the companies are starting to offer uh, incredible benefit packages. And I think what you'll see with a lot of these cannabis companies is they're, they're really built around wellness, as is, you know, with the plant. But they, they really do focus on wellness, and a lot of these companies do pretty well with offering you know, high-end benefits, offering other things such as, you know, you know flexible time off, work-from-home scenarios, uh, you know, health benefits, things like that. And I think that was really cool to see that with this industry coming together so rapidly and it's still coming together in, in, in its infancy, it's good to see companies taking that step and, and really trying to, to professionalize it, I guess I should say, and take it away from that illegal, you know, black market standpoint and into the mainstream by, you know, making it look like a mainstream industry. So that was definitely cool. Yeah, and I mean, these companies have to follow employment laws just like any other regulated industry. So, you know, it has to be of the utmost professionalism as well. And what I think was also interesting to know, and it's been coming to light a little bit more um, over the past couple of weeks, is this idea of CSR, this corporate social responsibility, and how... Um, employees or potential employees are really looking at these companies to see what their CSR program is. Are they giving back to the community? Are they offering, you know, incentives for you to go work there? Maybe, you know, offering paid time off to go donate some time to a local charity or something like that. But that's really something that companies can start doing that's going to allow them to stand out in the crowd of all these other, you know, plethora of cannabis companies. Uh, So CSR is something that we touched base on a little bit in season three, but we're going to dive into much deeper here in season four. We have Mark Ross. He's the chief instigator with Needle Consulting. And then we're also speaking with Lightshade, which is a local example of CSR in uh, a dispensary. So I think that's a really cool concept and topic that millennials are really pushing for the next uh, for the future. Absolutely. And and one thing I took from from the Sarah duo was that at the end of the day, millennials care. Millennials care about what they're doing every day, where they work, uh, and there's no way to get around that. And that you know, you have to start caring as well. You have to start caring about the environment you're putting out there. You have to start caring about you know, where is my company going beyond just generating mon- money and having you know a huge balance sheet. You know, what are we actually doing with the community? What are we actually doing with the culture? What am I doing with my employees? 
because uh, at the end of the day, your employees are living people too, and they have lives, they have feelings, they have things they're passionate about. These companies also need to care about their employees and turn around to their employees and say, hey, how can we make your life better? They need to turn to the communities that they're surrounded in and say, hey, how can we make the community around us better? And they need to take part in these initiatives that are for expungement and other acts to try to, you know, shed some light on on the years of, you know, the toll, I guess, that, you know, prohibition has taken over the years and how we can dig ourselves out of this and shine a good light in the areas of employment and social justice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of what a lot of these companies have in mind with their positive CSR programs is really just impacting communities and showing people, breaking down those stigmas. You know, this isn't just a bunch of stoners selling weed. Like this is a local business and a local community who's worried about the other people around them. And, you know, they're offering their time and efforts in local food banks or donations for coat drives. I know Kraft just did a coat drive in December. And that's awesome. That's showing that they care about those around them and giving back to their local community. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I mean, cannabis is going to be here to stay unless, you know, something major happens, but I don't see that. And so these companies have to start thinking long-term now of how can we live a more sustainable, you know, today and how can we live a more sustainable future economically, you know, socially and environmentally. Um, You know, and I think that, uh, I think we're doing a good job by showcasing all those different aspects and I think, you know, Lucy and I are extremely passionate about that and really want to push that forward because at the end of the day, you know, cannabis should be sustainable. I, I think it can be sustainable and I think it will be sustainable, but it starts with all of us to, to push that conversation forward and do our part. Absolutely. And big shout out to our friends Aster Farms. They were our last episode in season three. They are really doing a great job of sustainable cannabis out in California. Um, so they have an outdoor grow and everything that they're doing is environmentally friendly, you know, conscious of the environment, offering sustainable practices. And those are the types of companies that we're looking towards for the future. Um, so shout out to them for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, enough of the past. Let's start talking about the present here and, and what's ahead for season four. Uh, in season four, I think that uh, I think you're going to hear a lot more about CSR and and what CSR is and how different companies incorporate CSR into their missions and uh, how you as a consumer can look out for those companies that are pushing CSR initiatives. Uh, I think another big aspect that Lucy and I really wanted to focus on was the community aspect. I think it gets forgotten, but I think it's one of the biggest drivers of what cannabis truly is. And I think it's going to be the biggest driver of cannabis moving forward as well. Once it's all, once the dust settles, you know, it's going to be the community that raises it up and helps to build its foundation even further. Um, so I know we have a bunch of cool guests on to talk about community. And then I think the last part that I think all of you will love that I know I will love is there's a lot of cutting edge science that's being incorporated with cannabis and, and we're going to share all that with you. We have a couple of companies, Best in Grow, that's going to talk about their platform they've built. Uh, and also a cool one that will be on later called Green Genomics that has a system. We're going to find out more that they could test your DNA for what type of cannabis strains yeah sounds yeah. wild <laughs> yeah it's a company that so it's kind of like when you do that at home like gene kit i think and it's going to basically test your dna and run it through a system and you know tell you what cannabis strains would work well for you so for somebody who really has zero experience with cannabis that might be a good place to start 
Uh, so we're interested to learn more about that. Back on the community aspect, we have Sensi Mag. They are going to be on the show. They've been some great supporters of the Lit and Lucid podcast over the last year, and they are a company that truly encompasses community. They are having, you know, quarterly events in Denver that are huge. I mean, so many people are coming out to these events. And they just are really doing a good job of supporting the local community and getting everybody involved in cannabis and just really making it the new normal. Absolutely. And and Lucy and I touched on already in our episode, and I don't want to spoil it, but our background with Cincy Cincy and how we would not be here truly without the help and support of Cincy and, and really without them building the community out. I think it's been incredible what they've you know managed to accomplish in such a short amount of time. <clears throat> and I think it's going to be incredible what they're going to build in the future. So definitely keep them on the radar. Definitely keep you know the episode on your radar, episode 43. Uh, don't miss it. Um, and also Emerald Magazine touched on the community out there as well. And uh, I think Emerald's going to kick off a whole, whole season here with episode 41. And she has a wonderful story, a wonderful and a couple in senses. A in, 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 a, in a triumphant sense, yeah, not in the best way, but... It's a very real story of cannabis and how they got their start. And I think it's one that a lot of people need to be aware of that, you know, this is true cannabis. This is how it was. And this is how legalization has had an impact. And uh, I think you're going to want to hear her story and how they've kind of rose from the ashes and, and made something of it. Yeah, and that's what I really like about, you know, having these guests on that we've had, you know, in Mendocino County and like the Emerald Triangle, Humboldt area of California. That's a different community. And we wouldn't understand, you know, what it's like to be growing cannabis in that state, in that community, if it wasn't for these guests. And so they're really giving us just a different perspective on what it looks like. Just because in Colorado, it looks a certain way. It doesn't mean that's how it is, you know, every place else. Um, I know we've been watching uh, that Murder Mountain Netflix, and I've been seeing a lot of criticism online, you know, of people, you know, upset that that's obviously not how it always is or is, you know, in that area. But it gives you just a brief glimpse maybe of, you know, what it was or what people are dealing with. And it makes you understand a little bit better where these people are coming from. It was a black market, and now they're moving into legalization. And what does that look like for people who have been hidden and hiding from the federal government for years, you know, generations. And so that's something different for us to understand when we're thinking about this. So I appreciate Emerald Magazine and Christina Giovanni, you know, offering her story and how, you know, cannabis really affected her life and how she did turn that story around from something, you know, horrific to, you know, this great magazine that she has locally in the Emerald Triangle. And I love it. I mean, it's a great magazine. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it further solidifies the need to, to not forget about the community aspect and how, you know, those people are the ones who have built this entire community of the people who have been, uh, you know, hurt through through prosecution and, and prohibition. And, you know, the, the new age, you know, the businessman investor is not necessarily the community that's that's built this. And I think we got to keep that in mind that, you know, as we move forward, we got to keep the community in mind to where this all started and why we're here today. Yeah. And I think it's cool, you know, that even locally, I saw that they just passed um, that law or bill, whatever it is, you know, that people can apply to get their records expunged, you know, for low level cannabis crimes. And that's awesome. I mean, that's something that needs to happen. And then I saw, you know, Denver Normal was, you know, trying to decriminalize, you know, cannabis usage for employment in Colorado. And that's amazing as well. And those are all the things that need to happen in order to create a stronger community moving forward. 
Absolutely, and I, and I know of, uh, I believe, as Oakland, where the regulators of cannabis companies were giving first pass to to people who had been affected by cannabis prohibition. They were giving first licenses and first pick essentially to those folks, and I thought that was huge of them to take part and and realize that this had a huge detriment to that community, and that we should take part and help that community, you know, grow back out of, you know, the scenario that they ended up in. It's not good. Well, enough talking about us. Let's talk about something that I think all impacts all of us, and that's the future of the cannabis industry, where that might be going, and some things to expect down the line in, in 2019. Uh, one of the biggest glaring things that has happened in the cannabis industry is the passage of the Farm Bill. Uh, with the passage of the Farm Bill, it now makes hemp legal in all 50 states, which is huge. Hemp is now legal in all 50 states. It will be regulated, as I understand it, Right, Lucy? And then uh, there's a lot of question marks surrounding CBD still, but I do expect we'll probably have some further clarification uh, in the first quarter of 2019 on, on those different products. But Yeah, from what I understand is, so hemp, the definition of legal hemp under the Farm Bill is that it has to have um, 0.03% of THC in it. So this is the lowest level available of you know the, hemp, the cannabis plant. So hemp is now going to be legalized. As Jared said, it's going to still be regulated. So you can't just, you know, all willy-nilly be growing hemp wherever you want, however many quantities. It's still going to be regulated by the government. But that's huge. Uh, I mean, hemp farmers are now also going to be protected under the Farm Bill for crop insurance. So this means if your crop is wiped out from, you know, a natural disaster, you're going to get federal government aid, which would never would have happened in the past. If your cannabis farm, you know, goes down, you're pretty much SOL at that point. So Absolutely, this, yeah. this is huge for farmers in America that they can grow hemp legally under the federal government's guidance and get crop insurance for those crops. So that's number one huge in my mind. I think the other big aspect too that a lot, I think a lot of farmers have been waiting for is banking. Banking is a pain in the ASS. To any cannabis business owner that I know is out there, banking has been huge. So uh, the passage of the Farm Bill also opens the doorways to uh, banking for hemp farmers and, and other uh, ancillary hemp companies, extractors, uh, product manufacturers, things like that. Uh, so what you'll see with that is, you know, if you're wanting to get in the hemp industry, you can, you know, theoretically, we are, we are not bankers or, or lawyers or anything like that. So don't take, our, don't take our advice to the bank without doing some research yourself. But you should be available to get some loans and, and other kind of funding for investors and, and a more legitimate path to operating a business uh, the way business should be done. And uh, that's all passage with the farm bill, which is huge. Yeah. And then I think in terms of CBD, what I read was that it's hemp derived CBD. So it has to meet like a certain, you know, qualification of CBD um, to be sold and regulated under hemp. Um, so that's huge for a lot of companies. I know we have some friends, you know, over at Willpower and they do, you know, CBD based or hemp based, you know, plant protein. And they're going to be able to open the doors to all over, you know, different companies are going to be able to hold their products. So that's huge for, you know, hemp based companies. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, the underlying thing here that's even more important is the fact that it's going to help to break down that, that stigma wall that's been there. Uh, and I think America's kind of come privy to CBD and hemp-based products and hemp oils and things like that over the years. But I think as far as regulation and framework, I think hemp becoming mainstream in all 50 states immediately now puts medical marijuana at the very least on the back burner to, to kind of fall in line with, with regulations and become like the next big, uh, the next big push by the federal government. 
So hopefully in 2019, you'll see, you know, a big push with hemp. You know, we'll see some regulations surrounding it. We'll see the states kind of hopefully moving towards a model where, you know, it's a, a very similarly regulated thing like alcohol and uh, tobacco to where to, you know, make it easy for these uh, these companies. And hopefully at the end of 2019, we'll have a better idea of where cannabis legalization stands and, and where we kind of go from here. Yeah. And then I think another thing to look up, uh, you know, think about, I know we talked about this earlier, is looking towards the 2020 election. You know, I think that, you know, cannabis is probably going to be a big subject, you know, on the ballot. And so we'll see. I mean, the, the way tides are right now, who the heck knows? But that's definitely something to look forward to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what's really going to fuel that is what's going on to our neighbors in the north, uh, Canada. I think many of you, if you're already listening, I'm 100% sure you're probably aware of all the cannabis pot stocks that are booming. A lot of those companies are all based in Canada or have listed in the Canadian exchange. Um, and then there's a lot of those companies now who are making deals with other countries and starting to turn into a global market, not just with hemp, but also cannabis-based products high in THC. Uh, so as the global market begins to take shape and, and unfold and, and kind of grow rapidly, the U.S. is going to be falling behind our our, uh, our neighbors and, and other countries across the across the globe and I think the lawmakers are going to have to start making movement to turn you know cannabis into an enterprise for US based companies and and that's going to have to happen in the next couple of years for the US to to maintain a lead and maintain a pace to to be a global leader in cannabis products absolutely so definitely you know pay attention to the 2020 election and, and the stances that are taken by both sides if you know, I've also heard early on that neither one's going to take a stance that that's, you know, going to be part of the, you know, the, the, the brush, I guess, moving forward. So uh, either way, I think 2020 holds a lot of uh, a lot of information for us to gain and and a lot of direction, I guess, for us to learn and, and where this goes next. For sure. All right. And then one other thing that I maybe just kind of want to pick your brain on um, the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. And I saw, you know, a company had submitted um, a CBD ad. It was a cannabis-based ad. And, you know, our Amy Dawn, she's a local advocate in Colorado. Her son has, I don't know, you know, what ailment he has, but he has, you know, severe medical conditions. And he's using cannabis to help with his seizure and really to help him survive. And the, the commercial showed him and then a, um, somebody, a soldier out of California, and then somebody out of New York who uses cannabis, and that ad was denied. So the Super Bowl, uh, you know, has made a stance, you know, that they weren't looking to support cannabis for the 2019 Super Bowl. So what is your thoughts on that? I mean, I do think it's still pretty early because it was a medical cannabis ad, and and medical cannabis is still only available in a little bit more than half the U.S. states. So, you know, it's still a divided topic, obviously, and the Super Bowl is going to be a mainstream thing, not just in the U.S., but the globe. And so I think the NFL had to take a stance, and I, I do think in the timing it's appropriate, but I, I do, I, I love that it was pushed forward. I love that it was put out there because it opens up the conversation. And I think anytime you're opening up a conversation is you're opening up a door to, to end stigmas and and kind of change uh, perceptions. And I think that ad, either way, I think it was a success. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we all seen the ad. Uh, you can still see the ad if you want. The ad will still be seen. The message will still get across. And, you know, mainstream media has already picked up on it. So at the end of the day, good press, bad press. I think it's good for them. I think the message got across. And whether it's going to be played during the Super Bowl or not, I don't think it really matters at this point. Yeah. 
I mean, because, yeah, I mean, the damage has already been done, right? Everybody's already seen it, and people are already talking about it either way, good or bad. So, yep. for sure, I think it was good for the image. But I do way. think it would be cool to see a, a cannabis ad in the Super Bowl coming up. I think uh, there's enough beer commercials. There should be a place right? for some cannabis commercials, right? Absolutely, because I know that I will be consuming cannabis on the Super Bowl and not particularly beer. And then I will wake up the next day and happily go to work without a hangover. <laughs> the joys of cannabis. So. <laughs> Well, we will leave you with that little antidote there. And as always, we appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, We're stoked to have you here for season four, episode 40, hopefully of many, many more. Uh, We appreciate, you know, your time you put into it. And as always, if there's anything that we haven't covered that you're interested about, please do reach out to us at litlucidpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to dive into it, find out what the answers are, and share them back with you. All right, Jared. And with that, I'm lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters. This episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with YooHoo Creative and Design. YooHoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs. YooHoo, helping your company become who you need to be. If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at yoohooCreative at gmail.com.